Welcome to ASHTA Resource Q&A. We're taking time to discuss construction materials testing and inspection with people in the know. From exploring testing problems and solutions to laboratory best practices and quality management, we're covering topics important to you. Now, here's our host, Brian Johnson. Welcome to ASHTO Resource. I'm Brian Johnson. I'm Kimberly Swanson, and welcome to Astro Resource Q&A. Forgot the actual name of the podcast there, Brian. What did I say? Just Astro Resource. Uh, it was like I was answering the phone. <laughs> it was. <laughs> uh, anyway, this is Astro Resource Q&A, and today on the podcast, we're going to answer some questions we receive from some customers of ours, people who email me, not at podcast at astroresource.org. That would be a very short show uh, of people who have emailed that email address, but people who have contacted me directly with questions. And even though they may or may not be listeners, but I think that our listeners would be interested in hearing the answers to these questions. So I have transcribed them to shorten them up a little bit and send them to Kim. And Kim's gonna go through those with us today. Yep, and this is, our, I think, our first mail call episode of season three, which it surprises me that it's our first one of season three. But that is surprising because that's is. a good filler episode. It <laughs> is. Normally, if we don't have a, if we don't have any guests lined up, we can knock out some questions because I get yeah. a ton of questions. You do. I've never really counted how much time I spend just answering questions, like phone calls and emails, but. It is a considerable amount of my time. I can believe it. But let's dive right in to the first question you sent me that you have been getting. And that is, I just received a notification about the annual proficiency sample invoices. And it mentioned something about a $100 re-enrollment fee if we don't pay that invoice on time. So what's that about? That is something that a lot of our customers are wondering right now because we've never had any sort of re-enrollment fee when somebody doesn't pay their invoices. Now, what we have had before is people get dropped from the proficiency sample program because they didn't pay their invoice. Uh, but the re-enrollment fee is new and it, and it really does take a lot of effort for our staff when this happens. When somebody is negligent in paying their invoice, even though they intended to stay in the program, and then they reach out to us later after they've gone through being unenrolled, suspended, or even revoked for non-payment. To get all the all the effort that it took to get to that point is a lot. And then getting back to getting them enrolled, getting them reinstated, takes a lot of our effort. So that that's why there's a re-enrollment fee associated with that. Yeah, I will say in my previous life at Ashto, before I'm the communication manager, was... Uh, as an administrative assistant. So a big part of my job was to handle all of the PSP re-enrollment once we, once we did it. And although we have made progress in making that more streamlined process for staff and for customers, that is really a time-intensive activity. So for those laboratories that are intending to stay in the program but just kind of forgot to pay their invoice, for us to have to unenroll them, just re-enroll like a week later once they realize what had happened, it, I mean, takes a huge chunk of your day and week. And then realizing you're doing that for 200 laboratories that, that are in the same position that forgot to pay and intended to pay, 
um, that is really a big chunk of time and energy going to that process. So that is why we've introduced that this year, a re-enrollment fee. So if you intend to drop, then that that's fine. And that's, you know, we're sad to see you go. But if you intend to stay enrolled in our programs, and again, ASHTO accredited laboratories need to stay enrolled in uh, proficiency sample programs for the scopes that they're accredited for. So that's a, that's a big thing as well. So in addition to having to pay the re-enrollment fee, you also may get a interruption in your accreditation status. You might be suspended for some of your scopes, and um, I don't think any laboratory really wants that. One thing we really don't like doing is suspending accreditation over administrative or payment issues. Uh, we, we'd really like to be able to focus on the quality aspect of the accreditation rather than some of these administrative issues. Uh, but what we hope is that this notification helps motivate people to make that payment early so that it avoids those kind of issues. That fee doesn't exist because we were trying to collect more money it's to encourage payment, hopefully. And, and if we do have to expend the energy and time to go through this unenrollment, re-enrollment process, it, it helps us be able to keep the program running <laughs> because <laughs> of all the extra time we spend doing it. But one other aspect of this that people may not realize is anytime these issues happen, it has kind of a trickle down effect on other programs too. So we we had a, a meeting yesterday. So we have weekly meetings with my team, the accreditation program. And one of the questions that a quality analyst brought up in that meeting is, so we read this notification that went out at the, at 30 days, you know, if these labs get unenrolled and we have to go through the suspension process, are we going to do that on the 31st day and I said uh, no uh, we're not going to do that because we don't know what's going to happen let's say 500 labs or or a thousand labs <laughs> don't pay by that time or maybe they paid and it didn't clear yet we don't want to go through that effort of uh, creating a file preparing a uh, you know we prepare this documentation that we review and send to the laboratories anytime there's a suspension or a revocation. And this all takes a lot of time. We would really like to be able to get that number down to zero if possible for this particular activity. Uh, but chances are there will be some that don't pay on time and we have to go through this process with. And just know that that time spent dealing with that is time that we cannot spend reviewing corrective actions or doing the things that you expect us to do. Having timely responses back to the laboratories when they have questions or addressing anything else that we do with customers. So it's a real time sink on something that doesn't really need to happen. Uh, so we hope that, that we get a positive response and, and that people jump into action and, and get those invoices paid and maintain their enrollments on time. Yep, and to pay your invoice online, you can go to payments.ashtoresource.org. I think that covers that that question for that. I, I think so. Yeah, Our, I think that's enough. We don't we don't really love talking about payment at a nonprofit. That's like a, one of our least. We know it's a it's a necessity, of course, but yes. uh, it's not our favorite topic. Definitely not. And so we're going to kind of stick in the proficiency sample theme here with our next question, and that is. Can I get an extension on my proficiency samples? 
What happens if I do not submit the data on time? Yeah, this is a common question we get. Uh, the, the answer is no, you cannot get an extension on proficiency samples. The reason why is because the, I think we've talked about this before, but you know we've got so many labs in the program, almost 2000 in the aggregate program from around the world that are all submitting their data with this deadline. Once that deadline hits, we close the enrollment and then all of the results are calculated and the ratings are all issued on the average. So if we accept any data, even though it's a lot of data and one, one lab's data isn't gonna skew it too much, so that if it was brought into the fold, might not really affect things too much, but we have a lot of labs that are living on the border there between a good rating and a bad rating. So if you're if one little change in that average or in the standard deviation could throw somebody into a low rating. So we really don't want that to happen. Plus, if we allow one lab to send the ratings late and that gets around, guess what's going to happen? Uh, <laughs> a lot of people are going to be submitting it late and then we've got an even bigger problem. So it's best to stick to the deadline. And if you missed it, though, this is what's going to happen. First, you, you can figure out what's going to happen by looking at how you did last time. And if you did submit your data last time on that round and you received satisfactory ratings on the tests that you're accredited for, nothing is going to happen. What you do is you figure out why it happened. You write up your corrective action report file that away so they can get reviewed during your you know your next internal and external audits possibly during the management review as well and then uh, do better next time uh, you know take measures to not miss the next round and as long as you did well last time and you do well next time there won't be any suspension but it does create a risk for you the next time around because you've just lost one of your chances because it takes two consecutive rounds of no or low ratings to get a suspension. So just keep that in mind. But that's essentially what happens in that case when you miss a round. I also say if you are a day late, still try to submit that data online because you never know what might happen. But if you cannot submit your data online, then don't fax it in, don't email it in. We can't sneak you in. Once it's closed online, it is closed to everybody. But there are some times where the closing date listed on the website may have a day or two wiggle room, but that is not the official policy and that is not the official procedure for that. It just may happen that it's not closing exactly on that on that day it might be the next day so you can try it and test your luck and see if that works but i will say our proficiency sample schedule is available online and we basically have the whole schedule planned out for the whole year right now this proficiency sample schedule is only going to the beginning of January, but pretty soon it's going to be all for 2023. So you can schedule and plan as accordingly for that. One other thing about the about this particular round is that we are definitely going to have a session with John Molusky once that report comes out, because it's the first round of the combined aggregate proficiency samples. So we want to get a a wrap on how the results turned out, how the customers dealt with the change, and kind of give a, a breakdown of what happened uh, yep. this time around. We're recording this at the very beginning of September, but by the time that this episode is released, it's going to say the final report for aggregate 
gradation and gravity will be coming out shortly around the time that this episode is released. So yeah, we should be expecting a follow-up in the coming weeks for talking to John and seeing what's happening with this proficiency sample. That's right. Today is actually the close date. When, we're, when we record it, it's the closing date. <laughs> so if you're hearing this and you did and you're saying, oh no, I need to check on that, it's too late. It's too late. I will say the unmodified emulsified asphalt closing date is later this month, uh, September 22nd. So if that is important to you, just letting you know there. I think that's all the questions we had regarding PSP. So let's transition into more of an accreditation question. And this is, why did I receive an email reminder about addressing my laboratory's nonconformities for an assessment report I did not have yet? Yeah, that sounds like a bit of a riddle. Basically, what what happened, we have this pre-assessment submittal process that the assessment team uses. They've been following one procedure for a while, and that that worked okay. But you know, we've we've got this system that we've used, this accreditation event system that that we've used and our customers have used for a while, and it seemed like a good way to collect that pre-assessment information. Uh, so what we did is we changed from using the old method to to this new method using an old system uh, that that people are more familiar with, and one of the the unanticipated and i think this is on me for not noticing that this would be a problem is that we have these automatic reminders that go out to laboratories when something is due in the accreditation event system and it is the language in the alert is geared toward addressing nonconformities in an assessment report so they were the customers were getting this boilerplate notification that says you know you have to submit your corrective actions it, but because of this is actually pre-assessment, they didn't have a report issued yet, so there's no non-conformities to address. So it's a very confusing message for people to get. So I wanted to let people know that that is a problem that we are working on right now. Well, hopefully by the time this comes out, this is already addressed and you're not seeing this anymore. But what we did to address it is uh, our IT manager was able to determine that we can send isolated notifications for these pre-assessment accreditation events. And I sent him some wording to use and it'll be geared directly to that. So it'll eliminate confusion. People will know what it is and it'll be better. So uh, th this is an example of uh, uh, us addressing a problem that we had with corrective action. And uh, we've got uh, our quality manager is involved. So we reported it to Tracy Barnhart and she issued a request for a corrective action report from me and from our IT manager. So we're, we're working on it. And, and I, I wanted people to know about this one in particular, because I know some people have seen this and, and have given us some feedback. And thank you to those who did report this back to us, uh, because a lot of these automated notifications, uh, we don't see them. I don't get copied on all of them. So I don't, I don't know exactly what they say all the time. So if there's a, a, a change that that resulted in an unanticipated problem. The only way we can correct it is if you let us know about it sometimes. So so don't feel bad if you see something and you're like, oh, I don't really like this. Just let us know so we can fix it because we want to get it right. All right. Well, I think that covers today's episode of Mail Call. Um, was there anything else that we, I didn't ask you about all of these three topics today that you want to impart some more wisdom on our listeners? No, I think that was good. And th these are good ones. And I hope 
people do continue to ask us these questions so that we can not just answer it for you, but when we get a, it, when we can talk about it on the podcast, that gives us an opportunity to answer these questions for everybody. You know, it's not so much that it saves time, but it just gives us an opportunity to give a more comprehensive answer to people. And, you know, I can't call every lab in the program and go over this with them individually, but to be able to do it this way, I think is really helpful and a lot better than just getting an email response. Thanks for answering those questions today, Brian. And thanks to our listeners for tuning in today. Thanks for listening to Ashto Resource Q&A. If you'd like to be a guest or just submit a question, send us an email at podcast at ashtoresource.org or call Brian at 240-436-4820. For other news and related content, check out Ashto Resource's Twitter feed or go to ashtoresource.org.